0: to estradiol illusions we are continuing our holiday coverage if you haven't listened to our interview with uh candace kane i highly recommend it she is uh, absolutely fabulous and that was really a, a bucket list interview that i'm so happy to have done we have today we have a bunch i love when we get to do the big uh roundtable podcast they can be a pain to schedule but they're uh, a lot of fun to actually do. And. Uh, I know for a lot of people, we have our holiday traditions, we have all the things that we like to do each December, and then, uh, I don't know if you've heard, but there's this thing called COVID that's going around, and uh, kind of throwing a wrench in everybody's plans, and there is a performance that is at least 13 years running, if I've got that right, uh, in the city of Boston, where I went to college at BC. And I was so happy uh, to be able to have both the creative director, the founder, and uh, a bunch of the uh, talent. We've got stage crew, makeup people, performers, on to talk about the slot cracker. So without further ado, um, I'll introduce everybody. Uh, Vanessa, do you want to go first?
1: Hi. How's it going? Um, thank you for having me on. My name is Vanessa White. Uh, a lot of people know me as Sugar Dish, and I'm the creator and the director of the show.
0: Thank you. And uh, Ray, do you want to go? Hi, I'm Ray
2: Mansfield, also known as Dr. Ray. And I have been, I was a street teamer for two years. I was a kitten for three years. And for seven years, I have been on the stage
3: crew. And Sparkle. Hello, uh, my name is Sparkle. I have been doing the makeup for the past uh, maybe seven years now. Um, Started out as a volunteer and now lead the makeup team.
0: And Jolie
4: LaVie. Hi, how's everyone doing? My name is Jolie LaVie and my muggle name is Cassandra Charles. And I am on year six of Slutcracker and this would have been year seven and a performer and also part of Vanessa's troupe, The Lipstick Criminals.
0: So I, I should have said in my intro, but so the Slutcracker, uh, their their annual performance has been postponed this year. But uh, for the I believe the first time you've uh, put together a uh, compilation of uh, uh, footage from from last year for uh, Slut, Slutcracker, the film. Uh, Vanessa, do you want to talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, that's correct. So um, we we take some footage every year of the show just for our own internal purposes, you know, looking at the dailies and looking at the playbacks and for for production to know what we need to improve. So we never intended to shoot a movie, but we had all this footage. So um where COVID we're in Boston and Boston is in surge part two. It's getting pretty bad here again. So we knew pretty early on that we were going to have to postpone our performance and we still don't know when, when that's postponed until. So, uh, my partner, John and I, who's also a producer on the show and he does a lot of the building and some of the technical work. Um, he has been doing a lot of editing. I've been doing a lot of editing and we've got uh, a feature length video of our show and it looks really good and we're really excited about it.
0: And uh, I wanna I wanna go back to the beginning. The the Slutcracker was founded in your first performance, I should say, was uh, in two thousand seven. Is that correct?
1: It was two thousand eight. Yeah, we 2008. debuted in two thousand eight, um, and oh, we had no intention of this becoming an annual event. It was just supposed to be, you know, kind of a weekend one off burlesque show, albeit a, a large burlesque show compared to what uh, other shows we do around here. Um, in a historic theater that's uh, just shy of 900 seats. So, I mean, it was a big project, but it wasn't supposed to be an annual project. And we broke the ticketing system on opening night. We overwhelmed the servers with our sales, and we were invited back to the theater the following weekend, and the rest has been history. We have become a Boston holiday institution.
0: Yeah, I i've I've had a lot of fun reading about it. I love the i, I I've loved going to uh, the ballet. I haven't I didn't get to last year because I was recovering from a couple surgeries. And I was saying, okay, this year will be the year that we get to go and uh, go back and I'd seen uh, Nutcracker and Swan Lake before. And then, of course, uh, uh, all of this stuff happened. but. Uh, where did you get the idea for uh, the Slutcracker, which combines uh, burlesque, ballet, among a, a whole whole lot of other types of dances?
1: Um, so I came up a dancer. I was a, a ballerina, uh, started uh, when I was a toddler, did some of my training at the Boston Ballet when I was young. Um, and <laughs> as the story goes, when I was 10, they basically told my parents I was too fat to be a dancer. Um So, uh, they pulled me out of Boston ballet and I still took dance classes, but, um, for everybody else in my life, the dance career was over. Um, but for me, it wasn't. (laughs) So I found my way back to it in different ways. And in around 2005 or six, I got into burlesque 2008, I had been sick for several months and I was just lying on the couch, annoyed and depressed and watching a ballet on TV when I had the inspiration of combining my ballet history with my burlesque, my new burlesque venture and, um, sort of combining the discipline and the production value of a, of a full length ballet with the comedy and kind of liberties that you can take in a burlesque. So, um, that's, that's where it came from. And I should mention, I was definitely stoned on my sofa.
0: (laughs) 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 So, um, (laughs) <laughs> to to uh, op- open up a question for uh, everybody to jump in on. Um, when did you all get either I guess uh, involved with with dance and then more specifically the the slutcracker? And I, I'm I'm asking that with the knowledge that asking a two part question to a bunch of people is such a mess. But let's just uh, I mean that's kind of the fun of these types of podcasts.
4: Well, I guess I'll go on that one. This is Jolie. Um, so for me. I returned to dancing at age 41 Um, and like Vanessa, I decided that while I was super sick, but I was in a hospital bed. And um, I just decided to drop my old career in marketing and just sit on the hospital bed, I'm gonna go be a dancer. And I started to volunteer at the dance complex and take a lot of ballet classes and started loving dance again. And one of the ways that I paid for dance class was to do work study, and my work study shift, my partner was Vanessa's sister, and so we would talk and chat and laugh. And she's like, "You should audition for Slutcracker. It would be so fun." And it was definitely, it still is one of the, it's the best, the most fun audition every year. And um, auditioned. My first role was battery continue to audition, continue to work with the burlesque community and here we are. Now I'm in the troupe and get to work with all these wonderful dancers and performers and it's it's just so much fun. So it's definitely uh, in the bed. We we tend to think about these in the bed don't we? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> like... <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. I guess I, I I can go. Let's see. I uh, first got into theater when I was four years old. I like started out as an actor, but I have EDS and I have dyspraxia so like dancing not really in the cards because all of my joints fall out If I try to like move like I'm dancing. So I got into technical theater when I was 15. I've been like, doing that like ever since. In 2003, when I was in graduate school part one, I started working on the Somerville Theatre project because the theatre was built in 1914 and in 2003 it was undergoing a giant restoration to try to like bring it back to its original glory as one of the last surviving fully intact vaudeville houses in the United States. And that's where I learned that uh, like queer icon Tulula Bankhead got her start as a performer as part of the Repertory Company at the Somerville Theater, that Busby Berkeley started directing at the Somerville Theater. And like that's one of the things I kind of love because the Flowers number is so inspired by Busby Berkeley and he got a start as a director at the Somerville, which is very cool. Very true. and then I met Vanessa at a birthday party at Atwoods Tavern in 2007. <laughs> <laughs> and at the time, I was teaching theater classes for a like, learning and retirement uh, program. And Vanessa came in and demonstrated burlesque teas for a bunch of older adults in their 70s and 80s and 90s. I sure did. And it was wonderful. <laughs> 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 and I brought them to the Slutcracker for season one in 2008 and finally graduated from school in 2010. And the one problem with being in theater school is there's like no time to do actual theater and started... Sure. Uh, <laughs> Let's see. I think like the first time I did tech again was two months after I graduated, then jumped into Slutcracker in season three and have not left. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Sparkle, do you want to go?
3: Yeah, I can go. Um, so I, um, been doing makeup probably for a little over 10 years now. Um, and I want to say I was like, as people were talking, I was like scrolling through my emails. Like, when did I first start doing this show? Um, and I want to say it was 2012 or 13. Um, I was trying to get into more theater, and so I literally just googled theater makeup, and the slut cracker came up. I was like, what the hell <laughs> is this? <laughs> um, and I had saw uh, volunteer, you know, artists needed. And I submitted um, a response, but it was too late. I think it was, um, they had already, um, Maya Landy, who was the, the lead at the time, had already gotten her people. So I remember flagging it um, And the following year. I think I, in like August or September, super early. I was like, let me email these people so that I don't um, lose this spot again. Um, so I emailed Um, showed pictures of my work and got right in and still did not know what the hell I was getting into. I had tried to Google um, and didn't see much other than, you know, what was on the website, but I just had no idea. (laughs) Um, And when I started to, um, it was, you know, the, the email that was returned to me said lots of glitter and my name is Sparkle. So I was like, okay, well, you know, Match made in heaven. <laughs> Didn't know what you <laughs> Um, But when I started, I had only done, I think I only did two shows, maybe two or three shows my first year, um, and was just amazed at not only the production, but just the people. Um, and I was so lucky uh, because Maya, who was the person who was leading, she was just amazing. Um, and I learned so many things as an aspiring artist, to just how to um, not only work in a production, but work fast um, and at a at a at a um, s- expedited pace. Um, and that was my first intro into theater. So the next year, I was like, it's, I'm absolutely coming back." Um, and I've been back ever since. And then when Maya was ready to um, to move on to other things, I was happy to step up. And it's been it's been great. It's literally one of the things I look forward to every year. Um, It's a lot of work, but um, I am super sad this year to have that empty block on my calendar. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
1: same. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not really empty for me yet, but Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. An and I are still working.
2: Yeah, Yeah. it's not not the the same. same. We're not surrounded
3: by community. No, it's not. Yeah,
4: and I feel like for a lot
3: of us. Oh, go ahead. Sorry.
4: Oh no, I was just gonna say that I know that. I'm getting asked constantly now, what are you doing for Christmas? Mm-hmm. What are you doing for Christmas? And I'm like weirded out that I'm not doing Slutcracker this year because this is the community that I usually spend Christmas Eve with. Yeah. And so we mm-hmm. have yeah. traditions. We have traditions that we have in our bodies and rituals that a lot of us now are feeling. Like, you know, we had, we're pointing our toes. We're, we're, we're all like <laughs> taking online ballet like we're going to. Be performing in a month, so the body and the spirit are still like I'm doing slutcracker. So it's gonna be weird to just have
3: Christmas. It is. is. It's also weird to have time Mm -hmm. to do things in December. (laughs) Like people are like, "Oh, can we hang?" Like I actually looked into traveling this December, and I was like, right. This is, like this is new. I mean, that's also true. Then it becomes bittersweet, but it's like, oh, I can actually visit my family on Christmas and like not be driving uh from the show covered in glitter and dog tired. Um actually <laughs> semi-exciting. <laughs> right.
4: There's a there's a lot of time for the real world and um and it sucks. And it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> because because I think for me, what started to happen was, oh, I need to, I, I think I should work, do, do you know, <laughs> a job. And, and that's weird to me right now. This was my mm-hmm. job during the season. And it was a job right. that, you know, we were all probably up at 6 a.m. doing our muggles and going to rehearsals mm-hmm. and going to, and you don't go to bed till midnight. And so there's so much time <laughs> during COVID to be inside. Yeah.
3: Yeah, story. usually by now I would be lost in scheduling artists, yep. um, making sure I had everybody set up, buying, yep. being at Alta every day and buying out everything they have to offer, um, <laughs> scheduling <laughs> childcare rotations. Thinking about dinner plans, looking up slow cooker recipes to that my daughter (laughs) is fed and taken care of during this time. (laughs) And then coordinating her holiday plans to make sure that just because I'm working, she's still getting all the, you know, family things that she needs. Just all of that. I'm like, wow, I'm not doing that right now. and like this should be like this
2: should be the week that we're going in and cleaning out the tiger den and getting yeah, everything um, set up backstage and yeah. getting everything out of storage and getting everything cleaned ready to go and writing up the rules of the house and everything we're not doing it. It's so yeah, right. odd.
4: There, there aren't any emails. There aren't any calls. There aren't any
1: <laughs> I'm not blowing up your emails with 75 things a day.
4: Well, it it kept us busy and it kept us happy. So it is very weird not to as much as it is a fun show and as much as it is like the most beautiful production and again we're all glitterified and sparkly. Um, Vanessa works super hard.
2: Mm-hmm. So
4: she it does. is a lot during this time of the year usually for us and 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 again, you know, we have our rituals that help us get through working so hard and that's not something she's not doing. She's working really Mm -hmm. hard on this movie and, and it takes a lot to watch it, edit it, storyboard it down the whole nine yards. And so as a, as a slut, as a, as a group member, I'm missing giving her like the, like, yeah, we can do this, you know, moments because we're not together for that to happen. So, um, Yeah, we support each other so much during this time of the year because it does take you away from your family and it does take you away from maybe the the traditional Christmas things you do or the holiday things you do. However, it is also such a sanctuary. That's the word I'm going to use. It is such a sanctuary from rehearsals, even if we're just... Select piling, and I'm sure Vanessa <laughs> will be happy to tell you what that is, and, and <laughs> seeing people. And even during the summertime when we all start to, you know, get into okay, it's time to train for audition, or we're gonna start seeing people. We see each other on the streets and we call it a slut parade. So there's a whole, you know, July to December thing that happens with slut cracker that didn't happen this year for us in in those ways, but we're definitely still feeling. Like it's uh, time to purse time to do all that good stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. I think that's something that uh, a lot of our listeners can uh, commiserate with. I, in in uh, April and May, I was getting some messages saying like, uh, we, uh, I guess probably the youngest demo. I I don't know any teenagers who listen to podcasts. But we do have some listeners who are in <laughs> in, uh, in college. Uh, I'm not sure we do anything that, uh, that teenagers would necessarily want either, but. Um, <laughs> They would Teen- uh,
1: teenagers these days are living living on an entirely different planet for me.
0: <laughs> yes. I don't have
1: kids, and like the closest child to me is my fifteen year old niece, so she is my portal to everything. <laughs> Right. And I'm sure that I frustrate her with that.
2: I, I teach 18 year olds. The, the 18 year olds I teach just told me last night, you kind of remind me of some sort of very strange 80s TV character if they were cool. And I was like, what? OK, uh, well, Thanks.
4: I guess. Well, basically, you're Blanche from The Golden Girls. <laughs> <laughs> Which we all still watch. So there you go. Yep.
3: <laughs> well, I have a 15 year old in my re- literally in the next room, who thinks I'm ancient.
0: So, you know. <laughs> yeah. does, does she listen to podcasts no she does not she watches yeah. youtube tiktok tiktok's a little short for uh you couldn't do it you, by the time the theme song actually i don't think our theme song oh i guess they have a minute yeah i <laughs> yeah, i they have a minute cap <laughs> i experimented with tiktok for like a day and i was like i'm done with this this thing is stupid but um,
3: <laughs> oh, i got wow. right. i'm actually on tiktok i made quite a few videos it's fun Oh, yeah, well, your like videos it, are cool. I, I also get yeah. teased by my 15-year-old telling me that I'm too old to be on TikTok and that right. my generation is ruining it for young folks, but that's okay. I'll do it anyway. Oh, wow. <laughs>
2: wow.
1: Just tell her that's a rich tradition. We've ruined all the social platforms. Right. That's what you do.
3: That's what we do. fine.
4: It, it actually my was career. part of one of, my, uh, one of the shows I had. It was uh, a comic book type of show and I had to send in some words to go into the bubble or whatever. And one of them was, I'm not taking any
0: talk. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not any chat. I'm not doing that.
3: That's <laughs> hilarious.
0: <laughs> well, we, uh, we love comic books on this, this, uh, show. I'm a big, uh, collector and, uh, well, I say collector, and that implies like I go in and looking for like the really expensive ones. No, I'm more yeah. of like a comic comic book quarter. Um, I just like save them all. But uh, I got, I, got um, I, I guess part of what drew me to the Slutcracker was um, I actually took classes um, in, in ballet uh, when I finished. I did my yoga teacher training at, at South Boston Yoga, which is. Oh, yeah. Um, yep. I say, Boston's small enough that you can like, if I, if I were like trying to sp- pick out a studio in L.A., people would, would have no idea. But Boston, well, South
1: Boston yoga is definitely like a right, everyone a big knows everyone yeah. knows that
0: one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. David and I, I'm not sure if his his ex is still uh, Todd is still involved with them, but uh, I I, th- I think David and I still follow each other on Instagram. But um, I, I I liked somebody once said that yoga was the pothead cousin of ballet, and I took to that and I like that. <laughs>
1: I I could, I could maybe get behind that. That fits. fits. Uh, Yeah, Yeah. I would say yes yes to that. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. I I think, yeah. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You make it it sound like we don't go to ballet class, Stone.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, I I can, uh, I can commiserate. I, um. I used to, I mean, I watch, I watch ballet, uh, some, you'd see sometimes like, like back in the really early days of streaming when there wasn't like, as that much, when, when there wasn't like a billion different shows, uh, I used to like to go on the, the PBS app and they would have sometimes that if ballet's on oh. that and I would watch that stoned and I liked it a lot. Uh, I... I, I've always I've wanted to take classes I, I was gonna when I was finished recovering from bottom, bottom surgery last year I was gonna uh sign up there's some some uh, studios nearby here in uh, Long Beach California but uh when COVID happened it's funny how that ruins everything uh but yeah <laughs> but yeah <laughs> but you, you <laughs> can
2: take yoga online from burlesquers if you want to that's true yeah
0: <laughs> I, yeah I guess that's like a big uh I'm not sure I have the uh the online, the online thing for me, I would always want to. I, I, you know, I used to. Sometimes even um, my apartment has a, a yoga studio upstairs that's been closed because of COVID. I used mm-hmm. to go uh, do my practice up there because if I wanted to, um, if I wanted to do it in in my apartment, I would have to. I'd like to put on a vinyl, but then the problem is when you have to turn it over, you have to go wash your hands. Uh, you don't mm-hmm. want to touch it all sweaty, oh, yeah. and then mm-hmm. that's the end of the practice. It's yeah right right Um, but i've heard ballet described as kind of like the the foundation of of the rest of dance uh and i I guess what interests me about about your your uh group and the Slutcracker is that it it combines so much and you're watching and there's a lot of different types of dances and it's a lot of fun um did you i mean I, i some of you said that you started ballet at an early age uh I guess with um what Vanessa was describing with the the them you know tearing down a ten year old guy that's so awful um mm-hmm. is it
1: yeah, that's, it's really typical in ballet
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean i
4: mm-hmm.
1: I was
0: in ballet and
4: then i for me it was the the I'm a little brown girl, so I have a booty yeah. and keep tucking and keep tucking and and I did not get as much rehearsal time and 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 corrections as the other counterparts and the white counterparts in my class. And so uh, I got very disenchanted and then ended up going to the Elma Lewis uh, School of Arts, which is a predominantly African-American art school for, um, you know, people under 18. And I immediately got put into advanced ballet there. But by that time, puberty started kicking in and boys started looking more fun and and all that good stuff. So for me, it was, it was a good dirty, you know, I, I went back and forth. I took it in college um, again because some of us weren't professionals. The teacher didn't pay as much attention to us. Um, And, and I went to a black college. So there you go. Um, And, and, um, it was one of those things where I've never stopped being obsessed with ballet. And I think a lot of the cast members are, are, in, are in that boat where a lot of us are very obsessed with dance and movement and um, specifically ballet for Slutcracker, I think. and Maybe I'm speaking too much for other people, but that's really one of the, the things that drew me to Slutcracker was uh, the first year. Again, I'm talking about the audition. Super fun. Oh, my God. So fun. And then there's the ballet portion. And it was being held by um, Roseanne Writers, which is one of our ballet teachers. Vanessa and I take we're, we're taking her class before COVID a lot. Yes, and uh, <laughs> we were crying yesterday together, like we miss her. Yep. <laughs> and so she taught advanced, immediate, intermediate. Excuse me. And um, I just got back into ballet, et cetera. And I was just so thrilled that I was able to take a class with Roseanne and I'm in this class and there's all these beautiful tattooed ballet
1: dancers
4: and it was Sam, who's a castmaster master, Dinah, and they're going and they're doing all the leaps and I am profusely sweating at the bar. Technique is all wrong and I just can't stop smiling. And Roseanne says to me, you are having so much fun, huh? I was like, yes. And that alone made me, like, fall way back in love with ballet. To watch the tattooed ballet dancers, that's my
1: favorite thing ever. That is pretty nice. <laughs> it, it, it's really
2: wonderful to, to watch y'all. So, that's
3: today, so when I ever saw the um, flowers for the first time, um, Dinah was, uh, the, and I, I literally cried and I was just like this, I never knew I needed this in my life, but like, Mm -hmm. God damn it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is mm -hmm,
1: freaking beautiful. The person Um, Sparkle is talking about Dinah DeVille is, um, covered head to toe in tattoos, (laughs) head to toe. And she is a glorious ballet dancer. Really? her and she's, and, not, yeah. so, and she's not you and know, she's
3: not and she's not a she's not a standard um, ballet by body. any means and she looks she looks like a pinup girl she's just yeah she's she's a, a proud gorgeous. she's a proud she's proud proud
1: thick ballerina
4: and gorgeous and so gorgeous,
1: gorgeous. my and you'll, sister you'll see her in the film she's she has a cameo in the film
3: when she's i brought great. my sister to see the show i remember her <laughs> oh my god there's actual dancers in this show. <laughs> I think again, I didn't. I was just like, there's "This is thing called a striker. I don't know what it is. I'm. A, I've only been backstage, so I just know there's people naked on stage. Let's go see it." And <laughs> she's, I was just like blown away that I was like, "Oh, there's actual technique. Oh, yes, absolutely." <laughs> and
1: uh, <laughs> I would love to jump in and speak to that for a second about the ballet stuff, if that's okay. Um, oh, yes, please. So. I want to jump back, first of all, to what you were saying about uh, ballet being considered a foundational dance. And I think that's true, but I think it's important that we make the distinction that it's foundation for Western classical dance. Mm. Um, And um, just in terms of generally speaking about movement and movement in the body, I think that ballet is an incredibly great Movement tool and a great foundational tool, but traditionally speaking, it is foundational for Western classical dance. Right. And as is the truth with many Western classical things, it's inherently racist and sexist. Um, and that is one of the things that I want to combat using things like the Slutcracker and the ballet classes that I teach, um, because uh, like. I'm someone who took ballet from childhood. Like I've been studying ballet almost as long as I could talk. So for me, ballet is the next language I know. It's my, it's my, it's practically my native language. So for me, I understand it so fundamentally in my body. And it's so important for me in just my own health. Like every, I can, I can feel things in my body because of ballet, because it forces you to pay so much attention. And I want to bring that awareness of body to as many people as want it. Um, and ballet doesn't hasn't historically allowed everybody to access it. Mm-hmm. Like quite the contrary, it's been very specific body types in very specific colors and very specific genders for very specific types of movement. Um, And I, I would love to smash all that apart. And, and, and I'm not the only one. And that is becoming clear in ballet culture, at least to me in, in the spheres where I'm engaged. Um, I see, I'm seeing tons more men putting on point shoes. I am seeing um, like Roseanne Ridings, our ballet instructor, is very inclusive in her class and she is very engaged with all of her students and she has all kinds of levels and all kinds of bodies and all kinds of ages. Um, so there is there is definitely a rumbling in the ballet culture because I think ballet culture also realizes that its audience is literally dying. And one thing that um, relates to something Sparkle was just saying is that how, how she said she had brought... People to the show and was like, "Oh, there's actual dance in this. Yeah, that's something that I want to do too. I want to trick people into coming to the ballet." The Slutcracker uses the Tchaikovsky score. We don't use some like dubstep version or some jazzy version or like you know techno version. We're we're going with the straight up classical music, choreograph it, choreographing it um, with ballet including classical ballet, but I also fuse ballet with exotic dance and other forms of dance. And in the Slutcracker, you see ballet, but you also see jazz and hooping and belly dance. Well, not not actually belly dancing so much anymore, kind of a variation on belly dancing. Um, you see, what did I say, pole dancing, um, flamenco. So there's all different kinds of movement. And I, I, I want to bring a variety of movement in because I also... It's important that people see things that aren't just Western classical and also see things that aren't even invented yet <laughs> <laughs> like sexy like sexy stripper ballet <laughs>
0: <laughs> well so you've you've talked a lot about uh, uh body positivity and the ways that the ballet has uh been uh, incredibly uh exclusionary uh I want to talk about kind of so. Whenever we've we've had a we've had the chance uh, a couple of our shows recently to kind of do uh, deeper dives into uh, the history of the LGBTQ community. Um, I guess so. So for a show that's been around since 2008, there's been such a drastic uh, cultural shift in LGBTQ acceptance and. I guess for me that's always been kind of contrasted with the idea that like theater has has been very uh, uh flamboyant for a long time shows like hair or cabaret mm-hmm. uh you know you 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 see that that those kind of shows you know we're 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 doing stuff that like uh you know that would 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 still uh spending spending the past month listening to some of these uh, alabama senators campaigning against this stuff it, it seems like they're kind of running right. against uh reefer madness and that kind of uh <laughs> so, but but <laughs> tell your children,
2: oh, <laughs> your tell your For,
0: children.
4: Yes, <laughs> notice how what? we all know that movie <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: I mean seriously like these you, 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 we're, we live in a big country obviously their cultures are different but it's like what year are you in um and yeah so, really so well the the I guess my my question is um you know at, at when you would have first started I, I, I I imagine there would be some people at least in the, in the Boston area in Massachusetts who who would not necessarily be happy that there was a thing called the Yeah, (laughs)
1: That is is facts facts on facts on (laughs) facts.
2: facts. (laughs) Oh, you you can Google the, our uh, war on Christmas article.
1: Right. Yeah. 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 That's the first time we went viral. Yep. (laughs) Was, was on a super alt-right blogosphere talking about how I ruined Christmas with hookers and, Transsexuals, I think, was what they said. Mm -hmm. Something like that, yeah, yeah. Like I had, I had legitimately ruined Christmas with all of my dirty sex people. And
4: how (laughs) proud were we?
1: So proud! It was
3: one of the best pieces of press we ever got.
2: (laughs) I was like, you did your homework.
3: I was like, hilarious thing (laughs) is, the Slurcracker is one show amongst the sea of many other shows that like honor christmas in the unquote" right way. so like if you bought a ticket you bought a ticket it's not like it's out in the public right like in a square <laughs> in a town square where you just happen to be walking home from doing your whatever and like you see naked people on stage uh, twirling <laughs> no you bought a ticket you went so like come oh but <laughs> then we get we, it, we've right? gotten
1: complaints from people just complaining about a sign
3: Right. Oh. The, first, yeah. the, first,
1: the first year that we did the show on the marquee, it said the what cracker.
2: And mm-hmm. then there are people who've complained about the posters and went to the yep. mayor. But but the yep. mayor, joker okay, said, I, I like the posters and I love the show. And he comes to the show every year. So.
4: <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> right, we have pictures with this man. So there you go. <laughs>
0: And yeah, these are guess, yeah. these are always the same people who um the second you say something like the 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 all the people whining about uh censorship or, or, or free speech or whenever the president yeah. tweets mm-hmm. tweets mm-hmm. tweets that he won the election and Twitter says mm-hmm. no you didn't. Mm-hmm. That's an affront, but uh that's that's an affront to free speech, but uh they wanna take down your signs. Uh have you ever yeah. had somebody who bought a ticket who who bought it by mistake and then was like really horrified in the in the theater? Absolutely.
1: Um yes, I actually um there was for for a brief period of time, we had a weird marketing partnership with the Boston Ballet. <laughs> um, for a hot minute, um, there there was a woman who worked in their box office who had suggested to I, I don't know how their how their advertising stuff works, but um, had recommended like maybe doing an an ad trade or something. And so they had an ad on the back cover of our program. So it's front cover is the slot and the back cover had a Boston ballet ad for their ballets on it, which for me was a major coup. Um, <laughs> and the, and so the trade was they, they um, gave us tickets to all come see the nutcracker for this ad on the back. And so that was a lot of fun. And we all went dressed up in our sluttiest and um, could not get through the nutcracker without laughing eh? a, <laughs> Um, and B, so they weird. they gave us like backstage tours at the theater, and it was really fun and great and stuff. Um, but uh, I forgot where I was going with this. Where was I going with this? Did they come? <sighs> that was oh, so weird. yeah, like twenty Boston ballerinas came to our show. Yeah. Um, oh, so yeah, so the the box office woman. She, um, she actually told me recently that apparently a frequent occurrence was someone thinking they were buying a ticket for the Nutcracker at the Boston Valet, but bought tickets for the Slutcracker. Yep. So apparently that has happened on several occasions, and I don't really understand how. <laughs> not real clear how someone makes that mistake,
0: but I don't know. <laughs> that- that makes me, that makes me happy that they, yeah. uh, I, you, cause I mean, we always, I, when we talk about like, uh, I guess, I mean, LGBTQ outreach is always, uh, it's still important, but, um, I, whenever, whenever I'm talking with people about, uh, creating in- inclusive spaces and then there's like the person who wants to, to you know, to cater, cater to the people who are still, uh. I mean, you you find people who are still against gay marriage. It's like, look, oh, guys, yeah. like that's. Uh, I think that ship has sailed. I don't think that it's going to get over uh, yeah. overturned. But uh, yeah, I, I, I just I, I, I think that I think that really exuding positivity and inclusivity in in, in a way that 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 leads to uh, stuff like this. That that because you're so mainstream that people are getting confused and coming. I mean, that's a that's a beautiful thing.
1: Yeah. No. And we. It, it's it's also been a learning experience for me in terms of what people are responding to. 2016 was a massive eye opener for me in terms of like understanding how some people maybe are seeing my show um, from different political angles or whatever, um, which made me do some rewrites and whatever um, after 2016 just to like clarify some of my storytelling, which was great because I think it made for a better show all, all in. Um, but it's interesting. So you're talking about people who are still against gay marriage, but they'll come to my show. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And they'll cheer and think it's all very entertaining, right? But then not, but then, but it ends there. The support literally ends at, okay, well, it's fine if I'm being entertained. Right. You know, and that's gross. Um, and we actually, unfortunately find that with a lot of, uh, uh, men who posture as feminists and for women's liberation, I find that a lot of them, they're not for women's liberation so much as that they're there for loose women.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, yeah. I thought of that. yeah. yeah. They assume, oh they assume, yeah. It's they a
1: very, yeah, it's, it's a very specific demographic of people and Yeah. And that was a big 2016 eye opener, and you know a lot of them are on the of the quote unquote left. So, yeah, that's hard. Know. That's hard to, to try to manage sometimes.
4: And I think that your rewrite, like you said, after 2016, especially with party scene, really affected yeah.
1: yeah. that process. yeah yeah,
4: process. So. yeah.
1: So our our Act One that gets presented, which is great because it just it's that much more relevant even now, um, is really Act One is really kind of a very explicitly making fun of white culture.
0: Well, we've made it forty minutes into the show, and the word the phrase "dildo prince" has not been uttered. So I think oh, amazing! <laughs> that may be a failure on my on my part. So. <laughs> I guess well in in relation to my kind of earlier question about the progression of LGBTQ culture, it's something I've seen. Like uh, I, I I get a lot of angry emails, usually related to my film criticism. But uh, we did an episode two uh, two months ago, maybe. Ah, time is time is hard to gauge these days. Um, it's real, <laughs> but I, I did it. I did it, uh, I did an episode of Solo Show that was all about me talking about how, it wasn't explicit, but I was talking about how I really enjoyed my new wand vibrator, post-bottom surgery, and I didn't get a single angry email as a result of that, and I was kind of upset. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: because they're sitting there listening like, I'm against you, but what was the name of that toy again? I need to go buy that. Okay, okay. Yep, Exactly. <laughs> They're so, like, I really want to rage at you right now, but right. can you speak up? I'm going kind
4: to of Google that. <laughs> yeah, set on, on the prime. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think but one I, of the things that you, I'm sorry, Ian, but. Oh, no, 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 no. Up, go ahead, please. About the LBGT um, community, I think that, like I said, I'm one of the elders and I am an African-American woman. And within our culture, I say this every year, I have to kind of defend you know, homophobic thought process and drag people who are my age to the show and say, watch this. And I can honestly say after last year, my friends would come every year, but I felt like last year after Vanessa did do the rewrite and it did reflect more of her thought process of the storytelling um, as it reflects to what was going on at the time, it really changed the minds of people who you know, weren't so supportive, especially of the black and brown LBGTQ community, because they are the parents of these people. Some of them now, dare I say, are the grandparents. So I feel like that show and my ability to just go home and talk about it and say, you know, this is what I learned because I learned a lot about the community um, and other communities working with Suck And so it gave me a little bit more of a voice to go back and say hey you know you can't treat your children like this what you were saying about earlier about the teenagers and et cetera et cetera and i think that the show does help some people get to that so there is some 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 goal setting with bringing my friends into it and bringing people that i know who might be a little bit older or not as able to be out, if you will, or able to talk about mm-hmm. their children being out. And literally in the last year, uh, my friend's nephew was gay, which is something I actually knew since he was a child, but it, 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 it was okay. You know what I mean? I felt like it was okay for us to talk about it. It was okay for mom to go to his mom to go to pride with him. And I feel like a little bit of it is, is me talking about the community And, and also big time seeing Slutcracker, which they've all seen since I've been in it. Yay.
2: Mm. Yay. I was like, my, like my friends and my students who have watched the show for years, it's like the addition of the incredibly celebratory,
1: like queer slutty cheerleaders has made them all so incredibly (laughs) happy. That is definitely one of my favorite changes I've ever made in the show. Hands down. down.
4: Great change.
1: Yeah. It's wonderful.
0: (laughs) One uh, one thing that struck out at me, it was a, a, a kind of a contrast that I noted. There's a, a scene. Um, I'm sure there's actually probably several scenes where somebody has a uh, the leash, uh, whatever. I, I, my yeah. BDSM yeah, yeah, yeah. Col- uh, terminology is not not perfect, but um, I you know, I think I, I I was thinking about the contrast between like um, BDSM is is kind of like a celebration of 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 maybe I, I guess. People uh, people like pain in, in, in a lot of ways. And ballet ballet is this art form that is uh, celebrated uh, from like every single adaptation of a ballet, like a ballet book, a ballet TV show is like talking about how, yeah, you know, you have to do this 10, ten plus hours a day. Uh, it's really rigorous and you're supposed to, you know, your feet are all bloody and you're smiling. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking mm-hmm. like there's a great contrast here between like the celebration of BDSM and the fact that, yeah. This art form is incredibly taxing on the body.
1: Oh, yeah. It's a totally masochistic art form. Um,
0: Absolutely.
1: It's no mistake that the, the super BDSM number in the show is on point. <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> <laughs> the, like, most BDSM number in the show is Barry Ballet.
0: Well, I, I'm glad I'm I'm with my limited knowledge of ballet. I was glad that I was able to uh, at least at least pick up on that. A, oh a yeah, little bit. totally. <laughs> that, that very good observation
4: because it is you don't <laughs> you don't walk out of class going, oh my god, everything feels good. You're like
1: why? <laughs> You're like trembling and crying and like I gotta go home and. Like, Live I mean, like, my life somehow, <laughs> <laughs> but then you love it. So I guess yes, it is yeah, totally. Sort
4: of, a, sort of a BDSM for us, <laughs> yeah.
1: But um, but also, uh, something that I don't know maybe mainstream culture doesn't consider about the the BDSM arts is that it's also about very much about trust. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, and uh, one of the pieces that we do. I like to think speaks to that element of it. There's a to the traditional coffee or quote unquote Arabian number in Act Two. We do a, a dance with ropes and bondage, and that number is all about trust. Um, the the dancers are their faces are covered, which is accidentally timely. <laughs> but they eye- do a, they eye- do a whole dance where um it starts with one dancer is you know blindfolded essentially and tied up hands body arms tied and then one dancer takes the ropes off of that body and then they switch and then you know and then we see their faces at the end instead of like a big boob reveal at the end like you see in burlesque we do a face reveal which i think is maybe one of the more intimate reveals in the show um but that piece is very much about like the idea, the the imagery I'm trying to create there is like people in the dark together in under like very much trust. Like it's a very much a, like a, a darkness nighttime trust number. I don't know. That's how I think about it when I see that piece.
0: One thing I, I really like about just just the concept of the Slutcracker we see a lot um, when when sort of uh, uh, we see new ap- adaptations of beloved classics. I'm thinking in my head, Grena, uh, Greta Gertwig's uh, Little Women, where there's this, this reverence for the classics, but then there's also a need to, to update them in a way that's mm. more reflective of the times and more inclusive of the times. And when you're dealing with something like the Nutcracker, it's something that uh, I, I think there's probably very few people alive who haven't existed in a world where uh, the Nutcracker wasn't a tradition. You're mm-hmm. taking this and you're putting a lot of dedication into it from uh, all, all various elements of the production, and yet you're, you're putting on a very unique spin to it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I, there is definitely a reverence for the, for the original work, but there's also uh, something uh, I do typically, at least for the last couple of years, is I introduce the show kind of just like a quick, hey, you have no idea what you're doing here, because no one ever does when they come to the show, because I don't put a lot of information online. This is the this is the biggest reveal we've done of this show ever. Putting the show online, I, I usually really withhold information about the show because I think the intrigue helps people buy tickets. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, one of the things I say at the top of the show is I talk about how The Nutcracker, if anyone's not familiar with the story of The Nutcracker, it's about a little girl who gets... A nutcracker toy for Christmas, which is a weird gift in the first place. But it's by <laughs> this like w- like weird male elder character who, in some versions, is very creepy and very not okay as a character. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one that was it used to be on Netflix. I think I want to say it was Pacific, N- Northwest, Pacific Ballets. Northwest Ballet. Ballet, yeah. The Drosselmeyer character in that is very, very creepy. That, that one, so that there's like this, there's off. this like weird pedophilia vibe running through classical Nutcrackers that, like, right away was an easy rewrite. It was like, okay, let's take all the children out of this show right away. <laughs> Get the kids out of the room. This is not a safe environment for children. <laughs> right. So that was one of the first things we did. And then one of the next things we, you know, obviously the a big goal of this show was was bringing dance and ballet to everybody and all the bodies. And um, so that was obviously a big rewrite too, Is that it wasn't just a bunch of um, skinny white girls on stage. Definitely,
3: I think, which, which is, um, you know, no offense to skinny white girls.
1: <laughs> just so.
3: I think something that's also important to note about the Slutcracker is um it was mentioned that the Nutcracker is a tradition, but it's important to note that it's not a tradition for all. Um, yeah, it's definitely there's not. A, there is a very classist element of the Nutcracker. Yeah, there yes. are those families that, of course, you get dressed up and it was this, you know, pretentious thing that, got, that happened every year. And then, you know, for other families, not so much. Um, right. Yeah, well, because a and family so, can't get
1: out of go on the Nutcracker for like under 500 bucks. That's it's insanely expensive.
3: Oh, right. sorry. So, so I love about uh, with that. oops sorry, Jolie.
4: No, no, no. That was Sparkle. Go ahead,
3: Sparkle. Oh, no. I was going to say just even you know being a woman of color myself. Yes, I was in the Nutcracker um, when I was a kid, but that's not the norm of many of my friends. Um, yeah, right. So the fact they- that the Nutcracker is super inclusive, not only in the dance styles, the body types, and the sexuality of the people on stage, but also in the cost yeah, um, yep. and yeah. the location and all the things. It's a very, it's very acceptable.
1: Right. Yeah. We, uh, we, we've made a very big effort. Uh, the, when we opened in 2008, I charged $15 a ticket and we have not exceeded $30 a ticket in 13 years. Um, and we do not have, we do have advertisers, but it's like community theater style. You know, I sell a ads in a program for a couple of hundred bucks. Um, so we don't have any major advertisers. We don't have any major investors. The thing is totally self-sustaining. Uh, we are beholden to no one, um, which means we can play anywhere. We own the music. We have all the rights. Um, and for this, this video release, we're building – we're having built a custom video player so that Vimeo can't tell us that we don't meet their community guidelines and YouTube can't tell us that we're too grown up to be on a video. And because what we do is completely legal, completely covered by the First Amendment, and um, we're tired of getting censored everywhere.
0: <laughs> yeah, I – Within the trans community, I hear like YouTube is such a horror story from so many people. And I mean, that's like one of the biggest questions I ask. Like, why aren't you on YouTube? I'm like, I don't want to be on YouTube. Fuck
1: yeah, I, I, there's no point. I mean, there's so little of my stuff on YouTube.
2: Because
0: they, they will de- demonetize you so fast.
2: They will
4: demonetize
1: yeah.
4: you. I mean, as of, I just told Vanessa yesterday, as of uh, two days ago, a vlogger that I watched on YouTube regularly. Uh, Had a live, and when she was saying that, she ended up getting two copyright infringes on her, which one more, and you lose your YouTube station. And the following day, I received an email from YouTube saying you cannot use anyone's images at all, basically, is what they're saying, and because she would use distorted screenshots. So I think that now we're all being forced to really pay attention to the technology rules, to the, to the video rules, but also to stand up for ourselves for what we know is, is we have rights in. And so. Right. Which is th-
1: dancers is like nothing.
4: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
1: Dancers you, basically, nobody gives a shit. Nobody about gets dance rights. Right.
4: There was a, um, there was a dancer, the, the dancer who choreographed, um, A a very famous, I I don't even want to say the name because I don't want the podcast to get hit, but a very famous (laughs) dance that everyone knows. Oh, I can do that. Okay. So Beyonce's um, Single Ladies. The choreographer for that just recently did a copyright on that dance and is looking to copyright six other other choreographed pieces he's done. And I I thought it was awesome. And then at the same time I'm like, what well, does this mean I can't do single ladies, you know, somewhere? Yeah. It does. So it for does. dancers, it's such a catch twenty-two because it's yeah. like, Yay, proud for you. Now we're really getting, you know, rights and, and 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 things not stolen, if you will, but it's still gonna get stolen. It's still yeah. gonna get
1: used. So And well it's it's tough too because so much of dance culture is practicing the dance and learning the dance and showing off the dance. And the one thing about YouTube has been like the printing press of the dance community. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it, it has changed the dance world so much having access to, to rapid fire video and streaming video because we can, we can play around the world with other dancers right now. And and while I, I am totally all for dancers getting their, their due and their stuff like copywriting, choreography, and charging people to do it online and stuff is going to be a big hit to that, to that mm-hmm. information Absolutely. exchange. Um, so and, and it's hard because you want to be able to get money for your work and get royalties the same way that music does, the same way that video does it's harder to do with dance because they haven't developed technology to recognize movement, but also like, I don't know. And uh, uh, Jolie, we were talking about the single ladies dance was ripped off from a Fosse dance. Right. Mm-hmm. Largely, So mm-hmm. it's, it's also right. like, so how, how do we differentiate right. like which parts of the single ladies dance belong to that choreographer versus which ones were stolen from Gwen, Gwen. Verdon, right. you know what I mean, right?
4: Yeah, and Gwen and, and Be- oh, well, Beyonce, you.
1: Yeah. and Beyonce's done that a lot. Her entire countdown video is a is visually copied from other people. The right. entire video,
4: like side by side, we
1: side by it. side, frame by frame, and yeah. So I don't know. It's hard now, like that whole conversation is like a to- whole different situation but yeah that's that's hard and like I, I'm not gonna lie in, in the Slutcracker there's a moment where the characters do the choreography from the Backstreet Boys bye 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 and insane, I think. Insane. or whoever Is Backstreet Boys? I, I can't it's tell insane. them apart
3: <laughs> yeah. I, I'm too old to know Backstreet
1: <laughs> Boys I want it that
0: way
1: I don't, I, they all look alike
0: Um <laughs> they do yeah <laughs>
1: I was already like an adult person when they got popular so they're kind of like out of my But we do we do that choreography and it's like okay are they going to come after me cuz I did 5 seconds of their choreography because it's hilarious in context It is of... hilarious.
3: It was a great addition.
1: But to quote Cirque of the Dead, parody law can be very forgiving. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> fair use fair use is a thing and it's only, yeah. you know, 15 seconds so it probably doesn't even Register, register as a copyright infringement, but you know, I think about stuff like that because I do pull things from pop culture choreography because people recognize them. It's no different than sampling music or quoting somebody before you write your poem, having a quote from the Reverend so and so, or you know what I mean? Yep. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 there has to be room for homages to be paid and um, jokes to be made and for art to stand on the shoulder of other artists because that's how we build things.
0: Right. We um, we do feature... Uh, we've done, I think, two episodes so far on LGBTQ uh, legal analysis. I mean, basically because there's not a lot of people who, who do that, but we've had people from Lam- Lambda Legal and uh, the Law and Crime blog on to talk about that stuff. I'll have to ask them about uh, what the Backstreet Boys copyright, how, how that would work, but... <laughs> I was... <laughs> I was, I, I, was thinking I, of-
1: I, I personally hope they see it and they're like, yes, let's give you some money. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for reviving my career. Not that it needed reviving. <laughs> yeah. I wanted, I wanted Justin Timberlake's going to call me personally.
0: That'd be funny. <laughs> I wanted to go back to a uh, point that you mentioned a, a little while ago, Vanessa, about yes. like the the accessibility, the cheap tickets, because it was making me think of uh, when I was at BC. We were constantly like uh, a couple times in uh, a week going going to uh, places like the Brighton Music Hall mm-hmm, or the. Mm-hmm. I well, I knew I had a friend whose uh, brother worked at the lights for the Paradise Rock Club, so I'd go there a yeah. lot. Yeah, the Kay. addition. Um, and BZ, I mean, Boston. Boston has more. Boston has more universities and colleges than a lot of other states. Yeah, had. it's crazy. So I mean, I, I got to think that for a lot of people who are, uh, y- you know, first coming to, to understand their sexuality and stuff, that um, a, a show like yours is is really a, a great outlet for them to go and kind of see, you know, who they are reflected. Especially, I mean, just given the duration sure. of time. Time. So that here's the
1: interesting thing, though, that we don't really attract very much a college audience. Interesting.
0: Yeah. I'm yeah. Right. Uh-huh.
1: Um, I think, and this is, i again, I'm like so far removed from the children at this point. Cause I don't have any, <laughs> but, um, and I haven't, you know, I, I wasn't like really big on school. So as soon as I was done with my bachelor's, I was like, peace, I'm out, get me away from here. But I, I get the impression I did work how I first got into kind of like the sexy arts, I guess. Yeah, I would say the sexy arts part of it <laughs> was when I worked for a, a, a local magazine. BU put out a magazine called Boink at one point that was like a softcore porn, you know, kid next door kind of, or I shouldn't say kid, um, college student next door kind of softcore porn magazine, and I worked for them. Um, and I really get the impression that college kids are still a little too weirded out by sex in a lot of ways. Um, I think college kids tend to talk a big game about how confident they are sometimes and about ideals and things. But I think in real life, college kids are still pretty young on a sex spectrum. And, um, I think they're still really self-conscious and, uh, I think my show is pretty unabashed and not embarrassed at itself at all. Um, And I think, I think sometimes college kids might get a little weird out. A lot of people think that we're going to have a bunch of like rowdy, Frat boys in our audience, and I'm like, no, no, <laughs> no. They don't want to come to this show because it's not about them.
4: There are people who are tuxes. I've seen that.
1: Oh yeah, no people. I would say our bread and butter is is like middle aged women, right? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, it's 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 a it's largely a female audience. Um, I I think, and this actually probably goes back a little bit to, um, we were talking a little bit about, you know, a queer show being sort of mainstream and, um, not being as, you know, seemingly controversial as maybe some other things. Um, but it's interesting. It it took a long time for Boston to wrap its arms around the show sexually in some ways. Um, because the story's about a woman who likes boys and girls and maybe everything in between and beyond, and that is not a story that gets told. Hey, no. um, the queer community does not talk a lot about lesbian love, never mind bisexual love or pansexual love, and that's a community that has been kind of um, exclusive, exclusionary to people who fall in the in-betweens.
0: Um, yeah, I, I, I do hear that.
1: Sometimes. And uh, so I there's definitely been a lot of I, I've gotten so many complaints about how it's just chasing the male gaze, how the how the lesbian love portrayed is just there for men. And it's like, no, it's not. Women do not exist in their sexuality exclusively for men. We are allowed to have sexuality with each other and with ourselves and by ourselves. And it doesn't have to do, have anything to do with like a, you know, cis male gaze. <laughs> it has to do with just, I want to put on sparkles and be naked and happy in the body I'm in and not have anybody tell me what it is or what it isn't. Um, so I, it's, it's been, I've definitely gotten pushback from the gay community in Boston. Right. Um, you know, that it's, that it's not queer enough or that, and it's like, you know what? You can't make everybody happy. There's, and if you try to make a show for everybody somebody is going to tell you it's not for them. And, you know, you just, you got to do what you can. And I, I wrote the show from, you know, basically my own worldview and perspective as like, this is, this is the world that I functionally live in where people look like this and people are lovely and who look like this and that and this and that, and who identify this way and that way and are born this way and that way. And, um, it's a world I live in. It's a world I want to live in. Um, and I think most of humanity can't wrap their brains around a wide swath of people coexisting. I, I think it's really hard for people. And I think that's just I think that's just a deficiency of the human brain. <laughs> but I think that if people work at it, they can they can do a lot better. Yeah. Um, but they have to be, they have to be able to recognize their limitations and recognize the limitation. Um, and I'm not kidding about the human brain limitation. I, I, I had a family member with serious brain condition. And so I spent a lot of time with people who study brains and I do think, I do think it's a, it's a just human. We're not that good.
3: <laughs>
1: right. We're not that as good as we think we are at a lot of things. And I think as soon as humanity can embrace that we're not that good at everything that we think we are, we can actually admit that we have a lot of room for improvement <laughs> as humans.
4: And to your point about the, the college students, if I can say this, so I work for sure. Mass College of Art, which I think in regards to all of the universities and colleges in Boston is probably going to be where you you might you know find like-minded minds of the right. Slut cracker and um my first year I don't remember really really promoting Slutcracker A because it was a, a certain age group and a lot of them go home etc cetera, etc cetera. Mm-hmm.
1: yeah that's true uh, also oh, yeah. Uh,
4: yeah yeah and, uh, and also um the, the the folks yeah they're artists yeah they're probably more you know a little bit more uh weird than, than, than all the other college students. But I would say with mass college of art, I was honored that they asked me to speak for a class that was specifically doing burlesque because I had been working there and talking about it for four years. And, and all of a sudden this department decided that burlesque was a,
1: a class worth talking about. right?
4: Mm -hmm. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm there and the new provost is there and I'm like, I'm talking about burlesque. And um, even past that, it's been like it has led me into doing other things with the school for curating. So, however, I don't see a lot of those students come to the show. And so um, I thought that was important. to just kind of put out there that Vanessa's correct that it's not just, oh, this person's stuffy. I think that they are. Yeah, no in a place where they've still not, and, and Mass College of Art is definitely where LBGTQ, you know, I've seen folks transition from freshman year to their senior year. And so there's there's so much support there um, for the community, but they definitely are in a place where, like Vanessa says, they're, they're sexually, you know, still like, wait a minute, is it okay that I'm a femme lesbian? Or, you know, is it okay... Mm-hmm if I'm a a boy who likes boys, but I'm not feminine. So there's still that whole growing up or learning that they have in college. And um, so to be surrounded by what I would call more of the, the, the out there students of Boston, they're still a little bit more reserved at that age. And it's very like surprising sometimes.
2: Yeah. Mm, it's always yeah. been very interesting when you have like so many communities of like very artistic, very queer like college students who still feel very compartmentalized into how they
1: perform these identities.
4: Right. Exactly. So, That's exactly the word. It's yeah, there's, there's
1: it's to, yeah. And and I, I, I think it take I think students at that age, you know, they're really checking it out a lot of them are away from home from the first time away from their parents and stuff and they're really just trying to explain it and I mean my experience in the queer community is uh there are definitely groups that enforce a uniform and you got to look a certain way and right. behave a certain way I mean I definitely I definitely went to lesbian school for a minute <laughs> And I was really? like, "This is weird." I'm <laughs> like, I, "I'm not allowed to match my clothes." Really? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, like you, you told, like Vanessa, you told the story about
2: how like the queer establishment Boston wanted to borrow Amy for the Pride Parade, but
1: didn't want yeah. you to be in the Pride Parade. Yeah, that was so. So we have a wow. very large prop in our show. No spoilers. <laughs> um, if you see the show, you will know what I'm talking about as soon as it shows up. But um, yeah, they like a huge establishment queer organization in Boston asked to put my prop on their float with no invitation for the Slutcracker to represent it Pride, mm. oh. and that Seven. was bullshit. And we've run into all kinds of resistance in the dance community. So yeah, it's um, it's been a it's been a weird and interesting journey because we have a ton of support. But also the the structures that could really help us amplify don't, typically. Sometimes, not always.
0: Interesting. So um, I had one uh, final question. We'll go around. And I'd like everybody, if you can, to share your favorite uh, memory from your participation in the Slutcracker.
1: Oh, boy. Wow. That's a big one. Okay, I'm going to start. So you guys can think yeah, I geez. might have a couple. I just want to say that annually, one of my favorite days is the audition day. Um, that is, that is like, I look forward to that so hard all year. Um, the, my company work really hard to put it together. We create new choreography. We create a really fun atmosphere and it's like dancing is uh, hands down, like probably my favorite activity you know, thing that I want to do with my body most is dance. And if I can get a bunch of people I love in a room and people I don't even know in a room dancing with me to shit I made up, (laughs) like literally that's what I've been doing since, since I was a child getting together with my friends and making up dances to songs on the radio. And that's, that's like my favorite thing. I love it. It's so much fun. So audition day is a great day, but very specifically for me, um, There's a lot, but one that was really special was having the orchestra recorded for the show was unreal. Um, I got uh, to—my partner, John, made all the arrangements. He found a conductor and an orchestra in the Czech Republic, and we didn't know if we were getting scammed We didn't know if we were in like a Nigerian prince scandal territory with the amount of money we were spending and figuring out. We didn't know if we were going to land in the Czech Republic and no one would be there. (laughs) But um, it all really happened. We flew to the Czech Republic in 2012 and recorded the entire Tchaikovsky score in the, you know, essentially a symphony hall for just me and my partner. And we just got to sit there over four days and listen to an orchestra and say, that was beautiful, but can we make this faster? Can we make this slower? Can we bring up this? Th-? Like, I, I had the opportunity to sit and sort of direct an orchestra. And that, that was, like, crazy. That is not something I would have ever fathomed in my life, having the opportunity to do. And I cried through most of it, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> so that was, that was unreal. Um, Also, Done. having John Waters fucking host the show was pretty amazing. Oh
0: yeah, yes, that was awesome.
1: <laughs> and he called me a beautiful director, which I'll never forget in my whole life. Oh, so all right, who's next? I
0: did a lot. You've had you've <laughs> had plenty of time. <laughs> I will
4: go next, since uh, so I think. I started in 2014. I did not see the show until 2017. (laughs) I had never seen the show. And so that was my first year of being, uh, I was double casted for the few years for that before that. And that was my first year being on one cast, which was like cool because I got to see the show and I lost it. I'm pretty sure you guys heard me on stage. I'm pretty sure (laughs) Dr. Ray heard me in the back. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> so to see it, because uh, like Ray, actually, my background is a lot of tech production too, a lot of stage management, and I live for lights and sound. And to see it was like, I lost my mind. So just to see the lights and the, the technical, the production value is amazing since we're working with such a small stage and they have to load in a lot of our lights and so
1: and not only a small stage but a circa 1914 stage so it's still the same stage
4: i live for the technical production part of it i live for like seeing the marley on the floor and you know so seeing the show for the first time in 2017 yeah, that that was. I definitely was that audience member that probably should have. You know,
2: I, it, it is an original 1914 stage with a layer of masonite and two layers of marley on top of it. Yes, but it is yes, an original yes. 1914 uh, stage. So, yeah.
4: <laughs> Hence, why we can all hear you in the in the in the tiger den in the dressing room.
2: Because if anyone talks downstairs too loudly, you can hear it.
4: Can you can literally it. hear, hear it in the front, yep. the orchestra pit. So, and being <laughs> in that theater is also—it's just very magical in that theater.
2: That theater has a ghost. Um, so, it is haunted by Sally Irish, who was a ticket taker for the Somerville Theater for years and years and years, and she moves seats back and forth and turns lights on. And <laughs> yeah, and you want her to be in the theater because she's a very good energy
1: theater ghost. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Ray, you got a favorite? I'm having the
2: the practical one or the very very silly one. So let's see. I can't say one of my most favorites because it's a spoiler for the production. So you just have to like watch the show. <laughs> <laughs> I love how like throughout the years with all of the different um, roles Jolie has played throughout the show, we have an ongoing uh, interaction <laughs> backstage where. Every single time she says a new thing about, like, what's going on. Like, uh, I killed my husband, and so I buried him, and I'm going to go dance on his grave.
4: <laughs> oh, like character <laughs> stuff? Uh, right. stuff? Right. No, I, <laughs> my, story. I, I, yeah. <laughs> by the time you hit show seven, there's a oh, wow. whole dialogue, and Kay has been, you know, depending <laughs> on who I'm playing without, you know, spoiling what you in a certain scene. Yeah, by by show 11 there is a whole who does what, who has money, and I give uh, <laughs> Dr. Ray and pay orders because I'm always going to be Penelope Pondwater.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: so, <laughs> <laughs> Penelope Pondwater was a character name for whatever of our guests. <laughs> But then... <laughs> so, yeah, I, I,
4: and then poor Dr. Ray, you know, here's my hurl-clutching moments of, mm-hmm. of demands and get my car, and I'm tired of going to this particular place all the time. They never are ready.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Why? I can't believe they behave in this manner. This is great. <laughs> but then I always love when Vanessa does our established rules of the house every night.
3: <laughs> like, it. it
2: fills me with joy because... Um an addendum is in the actual theater, there are two additional rules that are like rule like zero and zero zero before we get to one, two, three, four, five, which is like don't set anything on fire inside the building and don't bring alcohol outside the building. But aside from that, <laughs> at the top of the show, Vanessa always tells everyone, like respect yourself, respect others, respect the space, don't be an don't asshole. Don't be an asshole. <laughs> And don't die, <laughs>
1: <laughs> which has also become my New Year's resolutions for
0: 2020. Uh, yeah, <laughs> fair. Sparkle, do you have one?
3: Yeah, well, uh, hard to pin one. It's it's so interesting that like, we all experience the show backstage more than anything. Um, but uh, it's crazy to me how even though I've been doing this for a while, it things never get old. It never feels stagnant, even though it's yeah. the same music every year. It's essentially the same choreography every year, give or take um, a couple numbers here and there. Um, but I always look forward to uh, similar scenes every year. Um, the dildo vibrating will always be, it gets me every time. It's my favorite <laughs> motion. It's just my favorite thing to watch. Um, <laughs> Um, definitely, the thing that I love the most about uh, being part of this is the relationships that I formed, um, and just you know, a lot of people are in the same are in the show year after year, um, but everybody still has to audition and everybody still has to work hard to be in the show unless it, or they're just not going to be in it, which I appreciate. But watching people who have done the show over and over again get to experience new parts and get to aspire to these different roles. Um, and I get joy every time I see, um, someone in a new role. So I don't know what spoiler or not, but the, the addition to do something different to the dildo prince um, literally made my heart sing because of the person that it was. So just like little things like that, that's um, because I love the people in the cast so much, just seeing people being able to explore different roles and work hard at it—people bust their ass. Yeah, to a part of the production. Really um, it is them. not to be taken lightly. It may seem to some people, people who don't get much out of it, it may seem like people just being silly and rolling around on stage. No, it is a lot of work. It's, yeah, it's a ton of work. Everybody involved, um, and so just to get to see that chaos. It's just, it's one of my favorite parts every year. Mm-hmm. It is. It's well, so and different. also Russian, because Russian, oh my gosh. Every, <laughs> every, every freaking time. Just. Yep. And I'm going to yeah. jump in for Russian oh, and
4: say that gosh. part of it is also what you're auditioning for. I know I've had different roles and Vanessa knows that I'm very much in, she gives me just dance, but I'm like, oh, I got to go to class. I got to take this. I got to take that. And I, you know. Russian was something I was going to go for this year. And so that was going to up my ballet and harass you know them to to learn. And Vanessa was so kind and let me take the class last year and work with them. So you get an opportunity to, even if you're not in the role, you know, yeah. it gives you mm-hmm. a goal. There's a goal there for you.
1: Yeah. One thing I do is I allow anybody to come to any rehearsal who's in the show. So if you are aspiring to be in a different scene then you are welcome to come to that scenes rehearsal and practice in the background and work on your stuff and um and and what happens a lot is people do that and then suddenly I need an emergency to the understudy I'm like hey you who was in the back of the rehearsal the whole time you ready to get on stage good cook let's go <laughs> well,
4: and that next, happens next year I'm just gonna show girls one of them out <laughs> <laughs> a yearly tradition. I
1: threatened to show i'm hiding them. all the pearls <laughs>
4: <laughs> that was an amazing moment too yes oh my none of us are going to be covering our entire household for the rest of the year with glitter
1: i know that's nuts to me i might do glitter. it anyway yeah i, <laughs> I want
3: glitter i put glitter on my eyes tonight but nobody can see it because there's no video. Right. <laughs> but just for this. Just
4: for this occasion. Aww. Yes. In, I think glitter is either is going to be your favorite part or you're just like.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, well, it's been um, it's been so great to talk to everybody. Uh, do you have a release date for the film?
1: Uh yeah, Thanksgiving Day.
0: Thanksgiving Day. Yeah, well, uh, midnight,
1: 1201. It'll be ready to go. And um mm-hmm. Yeah, it's okay. a it's a rental, so it's on demand. You can go to the dot starting Thanksgiving Day, and it'll be up there until at least New Year's.
0: Well, it's been uh, so great to talk to everybody and uh, hear. I mean, it, it, it's very obvious from uh, the the course of our episode how uh, how much the Slutcracker means to all of you, and uh, it's great when that energy can uh, translate onto an episode because I'm sure everybody listening will, uh, you know feel that and it makes you uh, more likely to uh want to go and check it out which uh, I've, I've seen it and uh it's a very very fun show and uh this this december is gonna uh i quite frankly suck for a lot of people because yeah. we, mm. we don't get to do we don't get to do all the things that we want i had to tell my mom uh last week that my partner and i aren't flying east because uh it's it's crazy out there, but uh stuff like this, you know, when uh when when disaster strikes, you uh call audibles and you make different plans and That's right. Uh, I think that uh what 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 you were able to compile uh, on the fly having to use you know, you know old footage, it wasn't like anybody planned for this. I think that was pretty impressive. So uh I encourage everybody to check it out. Thank and, you. Uh, We'll link to uh, we'll link to uh, your social medias. Anything, uh, send them to uh, send them to Lon, and I'll include uh, include all of it in the episode description. Excellent. And, uh, thank you so much, everybody, for coming on.
1: Thank you so much. This was lovely. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. And I miss all you guys so much. I am. Yeah, it. yeah. <laughs> you know. Super
0: emotional now. Yeah. I know. Yeah. And to our listeners, uh, thank you so much for listening. Go watch the Salt Cracker, and we will see you next time.